0: The car you drive every day should be fun.
1: But it has to do the boring stuff too, like commute, be affordable, and haul your groceries.
0: You can have both, and we'll help you find it. I'm Todd. I'm Paul. And this
1: is the Everyday Driver Car Today. Hey everyone, thanks for listening, thanks for joining us, and welcome back to the podcast. If you haven't heard, uh, if this is the first time you're just joining us, welcome. But I think, uh, I suspect a lot of you are following along Which is great. We don't have the Topic Tuesdays today. I didn't put one together, but that will be a continuing series. We just thought we'd dive right in because last podcast, we didn't get around to getting to too many questions from all of you. So we thought we'd take more time at the end to do that. We just thought we'd dive right into a couple car debates and uh, address those and talk about that and then uh, dive into some questions at the end.
0: What do you think about that? There's a there 's a ton of questions I mean there 's just uh, we're obviously in case you haven 't been following along we 're doing Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, all the places where we have social media accounts. You can leave us questions on any of those spots. We generally call for them either Sunday or Monday night, depending upon when we record this Tuesday podcast and Thursday evenings as well. But we try to keep you informed, and you guys are responding wonderfully with questions on all of those platforms. So thank you. We do have a lot of really good ones. We also have two car debates we 're going to try to fit in this evening. Uh, We've got Lloyd writing to us from Wales. Lloyd actually had a little bit of uh, commentary from us prior because Lloyd, for better or worse, sent in that terrible picture of a pink Maserati Ghibli that just seared all of our eyeballs and ruined us forever. So now Lloyd is writing in with a car debate, and uh, we're going to try to solve that as well. And then we also got Ken writing to us from, uh, from Manhattan, New York, New York. So he's writing to us with a commuter problem. And if you're going to have a commuter problem, it's probably going to be in Manhattan. So uh, we're going to try to deal with that for Ken as well.
1: Exactly. Well, Lloyd, thank you for writing in. Really good to hear from you. And yeah, thanks for the Barbie Magenta Maserati Ghibli pick. If you haven't seen that, that does still live on our Twitter feed a little ways back. It's eyeball searing, so I don't really recommend going and digging for it, but only if you really want to. It is there. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I think his girlfriend found that and, uh, yeah, sent it to us and we gasped. All bad. It was it was awful. I think we need to go to Wales. They've got some great driving roads in Wales. I think you and yeah, I need to no take kidding. a little trip and get out there and say hi to Lloyd and have mm-hmm. him show us around. All of our
0: know. all of our extra money and all of our <laughs> travel budget that is that is just ballooning you know, but, but actually where, where most of our money and time is going right now, in case you haven't heard, is we're headed toward Velocity Channel here in the States. So second quarter of this calendar year, we are going to be on Velocity. It is going to be a 30-minute program for 13 weeks straight. There'll be a few reruns in there, but we are taking, just so you know, we are taking a lot of the big pieces you've seen already on YouTube, reformatting them for television. Guess what I've been doing with my time? <laughs> and we're also shooting some new stuff to make up Season 1. Uh, for those of you that don't get Velocity here, uh, here in the States or even any of you outside the u s that just don't even know what velocity channel is can't get it at all uh take heart, don't worry somewhere down the line, we will be reposting all of our t v stuff for the web, and our intention is going forward. this will not be our first season going forward we will be doing it be our first season, but not our last is our intention. We'll right, be using right. the t v stuff going forward as TV first and then web second. So it will somehow get back out to you, have heart, but uh, that's just kind of the, the breakdown. I bring that up because guess where my head's been all day long, has been editing that stuff. So that's where I'm at. But, uh, yeah, maybe we'll go to Wales after we figure out TV. That that would be good.
1: I like this. <laughs> Vacation in Wales? Sounds lovely, actually. I'm sure it is. <laughs> it does. And it does.
0: Yeah, I totally agree. Yeah, the
1: roads is the best part. So, uh Yeah, Lloyd, we're jumping in, and uh, Lloyd's story here is rather interesting, everyone, because he has, uh, as he said, sent in the Maserati picture, but I think he didn't want to be fully associated with that, and uh, (laughs) (laughs) –
0: Ever again. He's and uh, one desperately really trying is... to distance himself from that moment yes. in his life. Yes, I agree.
1: So we're, we're moving on from that and uh, cementing your legacy with a car debate. And uh, <laughs> it's pretty sad the way it starts off, to be honest. He's a car enthusiast, mm-hmm. even though he hasn't been in too many cars. He has done quite a bit of driving, as he's described here. He's yeah. actually done Silverstone. I can't believe that. He's been in a Caterham, a Lotus Elise, on Silverstone track, he actually raced karts yes. from uh, national level, aged eight to 18, some single-seater racing. So he's he's got some really good driving experience, some really great roads mm-hmm. in his hip pocket there, but looking for something new because a little while back, he had a Mazda 3 Sport. He had visited his parents for a weekend in the summer, and what he yeah. thought was initially a flat battery Evolved into a massive battery fire and burned his car to the ground. Awful picture. Hmm. I cannot believe
0: the picture. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was uh, yeah, it's horrifying,
1: heartbreaking, and uh, it's something that is pretty rare, to be honest. You don't really see that too often with modern battery technology and the way they're monitored electronically. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. But
1: it can it ha- it can happen. And so, unfortunately, he had to move on. His pride and joy was gutted, as he says here, and he went to Mazda again. He went back to another Mazda 3, but unfortunately, it just hasn't hasn't had that same sense of connection, I think, that he had with the yeah, first car. Yeah. And yep. he's just kind of going, all right, maybe I just need to get away from it. Not that Mazda 3s are bad in any way. It's just, mm-hmm. all right, I need to you know, spice up my life. I need to get something going again and – And uh, he's been dreaming a lot based on this list that he sent us. Uh, A lot, as a matter of fact. He has the
0: disease big time. I mean, Lloyd is, is fully infected here because since this second Mazda has not really sparked him, he has just started making a list and remaking a list, and now he's sent a list to us. And so he's infecting us with it. And it's all good, though. I mean, he's really wanting to have something he can enjoy that gives him that fire back for the car that he owns. And, uh, but he still wants luggage space. He still wants something that isn't so precious he can't drive it on U.K. roads because he brings up a thing that you've probably heard before, and it is very true. There are plenty of tiny, difficult, poorly maintained roads in the U.K. Now, mm-hmm. yes, Wales is this place that we're all dreaming about, but in the same way we dream about Great Canyon Roads here in the U.S. For every Great Canyon Road in the U.S. is a terrible stop-and-go pothole fest somewhere else. So he's dealing with that as well. He doesn't want a car that's so precious he can't actually use it, put stuff in it, and also beat it up on a road, not intentionally but, by, but accidentally. So that this has to do a lot of stuff and still be exciting. He would prefer rear-wheel drive, but here, even here on his short list he has some front-wheel drive stuff.
1: Which is nice. I, I like that uh, you're considering a lot of different things here. Did you also notice in the email here he's actually calling us out in italics for the things you and I say over and over again? You know, our little yes. phrases mm-hmm. that we just fall oh, yes. into a rut and use mm-hmm. all the time. Yes, he has
0: discussed our proclivity, he has fully acknowledged my tendency to use that (laughs) term over and over, and he also is giving you a very firm Paul limiter that he's renamed, actually, I have to mention it, he renamed it the Schmucker Stopper. Yes. So for those of you that don't like the Paul limiter or need something new to have in your everyday driver drinking game, we have now uh, used that term coined by Lloyd.
1: (laughs) All right, Lloyd, the, uh, the stuff that you've sent in, everybody listening needs to hear this. His top choice, top of the list, the M135i, the MW M135i. I like that Mm -hmm. you went and drove the new M140i, but we will be honest here. That car is an RS competitor, just in terms of horsepower, not to mention price. It's out of your budget range Mm -hmm. here, 15,000 pounds. And uh, so I I love that you're dreaming about that. I am with you. We'll keep going before we get to, to our choices here. Of course, GTI has got to be on the list. Seat Leon Cupra, which is, I'm thrilled to see that there. I want to say more about that. Mm -hmm. He's actually considering another Mazda 3 Sport. Maybe we can just put the kibosh on that right now. And you've had to already. You've written a car debate because you want to get away from the Mazda. And so we will give you permission to not consider another one. How about that? And then he brings up Todd's car. Yep. It brings up the GT86, which Todd is obviously having a bunch of fun, maybe too much fun, driving around on the winter roads here. And uh, (laughs) Yes. (laughs) I love that. That was just, it was great. And it seems like everybody's really liking the winter piece, too. You're you're actually articulating the stuff that you and I talk about so much on a daily Mm -hmm. basis when we're driving here in the winter. But I love that you just got out there and drove and articulated all these things, you know, the way the car reacts and, and all that stuff. So that was cool.
0: Well... I, thanks. I mean, I hoped it would be helpful, and the, the commentary seems to suggest that it was. We actually had an interesting request from one of you guys on that piece. You said you'd like us to do something similar for canyon driving, which I thought was interesting. Was there maybe something you and I should consider when the weather clears up and we get to, like, prime driving uh, weather this summer? Maybe we should take both our cars out and actually do a – not really a a car review as much as just a canyon driving road review. That might be an interesting alternative piece. I'm I'm thinking about that ever since I saw that posting. Mm -hmm. But I'm just glad so many of you have responded both that the piece was helpful and that others of you have just, just chimed in and gone, yes, I agree with this, and let me even add to it. It's been a wonderful discussion piece, and I'm glad about that. And, yes, I am having ridiculous fun. The other thing that I thought was hysterical when posting that piece somebody made an observation that for the few seconds that I'm struggling, and struggle is the key word, struggling to back down my unplowed snowy driveway, for those few seconds I am driving a <laughs> front wheel drive rear-engined FRS. Which I thought was quite funny, so uh, I appreciated that observation for uh, the completely bizarre uh, setup that that car had for yep. those moments, which is why it was not ideal for backing down the drive. But yeah, let's uh, let's keep going. Yeah, he likes that GT eighty six. Uh, he, he the car he's actually dreamed about a little bit, which I think is interesting. His girlfriend thinks it's a midlife crisis car, and I had to just I had to just step away from the computer and laugh for a minute. And <laughs> I come figured I would. I figured you'd. Oh gosh, this. I thought it was great. I mean, oh, yeah. Look I mean, at Todd it,
1: Lloyd. I mean, hello, Todd's an <laughs> overgrown child. Here you go. Do you I need am. any more justification yes. than Todd?
0: The end. You're yes. done. Yes. I, I, I am actually still too young from a midlife crisis because I haven't really become fully into adulthood yet. So it really depends on how you want to look at it. Yeah. I've owned something ridiculous pretty much my whole adult life. But, but the, it is funny because I feel like there's only two kinds of people that really own that car. And the vast majority are under 30. And then you have the weirdos like me. I feel like there's a gap in there where there's just not that common.
1: The enthusiasts who enjoy a good car that's just fun to drive. How about that?
0: Mm -hmm. Okay. All right. I'll I'll take that. I'll take that. (laughs) And then uh, he actually even went through and said things he doesn't like things, cars he wants to stay away from. And he only has one car on the list that he just said will not drive an Audi. Something about the Audi cliched perception in his life and the people he sees driving Audis, he can't even be associated. (laughs) Isn't it interesting how that happens to brands? That's funny. you just, yeah, certain (laughs) brands you just can't do because of your experience with their owners or the kind of cars and, and owners they have.
1: I mean, in America, you could have just said, you know, They're they're Jersey Shore. But the rest of you listening, it's all the fake tan stereo taking Bogans driving around in white Audis that is putting him (laughs) off the uh, pejorative term, which is uh, rather hilarious. So I I can see that. I I get it. I mean, it's not really so much here in America with Audis. Uh, And speaking of which, I was thinking about the S1. And then I had Mm -hmm. to back off and Mm -hmm. think, well, A1, maybe. It might be too small. And that's where I started for Lloyd because I thought, well, <laughs> yeah, I want something fun, small. But you ruled out the Audis. Of course, the S1 is probably yep. ruled out because of price. So I had to move on from there. And I thought, ah, oh, Tom drove the 208 GTI, the Peugeot 208. He loved it. Mm. Yeah. Also too expensive. Mm. Lloyd, I found a 2013 BMW 420D, the diesel, 2-liter diesel. Uh, also for 15,000 pounds, and that led me to a Ford Fiesta 1.0 EcoBoost. I was wondering what the STs are like in price there, but you also ruled out Fords just for the interior. Mm -hmm. Okay, Mm -hmm. so I had to back off, and I came back to the Seat Leon Cupra. Tom drove it. I actually drove one on the ring a few years ago when I first went. It's the trip that I never really talk about because Todd wasn't with me, and You know, it wasn't, you know, a solidarity moment. I had kind of gone there and sneaked in (laughs) with a, say, at Leon with snow tires that I drove out from Berlin, and uh, I just, yeah, I I really liked that car, and I note that in your description here, you have looked at it in the showroom, but you haven't driven it yet. You didn't indicate that you drove it, even though, yes, it's the cheaper GTI, but I love the styling, which you agree with here, and Mm -hmm, I'm kind of thinking that's your choice, I really do. Hmm. It's either that or hang on to your money, keep saving, scrimp and save, eat ramen noodles, and save the M135i. <laughs> That's where I, I'm
0: at. I, do, I see that. I do see how his uh, M135, that, that does check all the boxes he's looking for. Because he's even because this is a commute car, he's even OK with automatic. In fact, he's kind of leaning automatic. Right, he's, right. Look, he's a, he's a guy that loves a manual transmission, but he's kind of leaning automatic based on his usage. So, I mean that that uh, the ZF auto. I mean the, the the BMW. I see why that is your icon car here. Sorry, I did that accidentally, but I see why that is your <laughs> your car not. that you're really leaning toward. And uh, but but I actually wanted to talk about a couple others. Okay? okay, I think the the 135 is okay, but if you wanted to go out and buy right now for 15 grand, okay, fifteen thousand pounds, we're talking. So all right, let's talk about that GT86. I think there's a funny counter story here that happens where your girlfriend thinks it's a midlife crisis car except for one little twist you're thinking about you might give her your mazda if you've got a true sports car right and it's funny that once you mentioned that to her she kind of really likes the gt86 suddenly it's a pretty cool car for you i think that's a riot all of a sudden (laughs) she's like well if i get the mazda then yeah get the gt86 so i (laughs) I love that all of a sudden the mystique is gone. I, I, I think, look, I think the problem with the GT86 is how do you drive it and what color do you get? Because if you got like a charcoal or you got the black. That car classes up a lot. If you get the, you know, eye-searing orange like I did or the bright red, okay, you're much more of a child, all right? And obviously, at least this is the stereotype in the U.S., the bright red car is the midlife crisis car. The bright red rear-wheel drive sports car is your midlife crisis car. So avoid red. Of course, I like it in red, but whatever. Avoid red. You might want to avoid the orange. uh, But if you did white or if you did – and actually that car – look, I don't like white cars, but I will admit that I actually think that car looks really good in white. So the white's cool. Uh, mm-hmm. You could go with the silver that we had. That silver TRD one that we drove for our EcoBoost oh, that's Mustang right, with piece. the
1: black wheels.
0: You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That looked kind of classy. You could go with the straight black. Now I think black kind of hides the lines of the car a little bit, but maybe that solves the problem. So I think if you don't go for a flashy color, I think you could class that car up a lot away from. Look, <laughs> we're talking about classing up a GT86. I mean, <laughs> at some point you just embrace you have a child's car, but that's fine. Don't put the big, you know, the big uh, flag like I have on the roof, just so people see me when they're driving. The- don't do that. But <laughs>
1: the, the bicycle could, flag get off get, the training wheels, exactly right. Waving the, big, in the, wind. the big orange flag. Right. Don't do that.
0: Uh, but um, I put that in place in my antenna. It looks great. Anyway, um, so don't do that. But you could you could get a, a subtle color, and that car would be great. So that that's one thing to think about. You do have that fold down rear seat, which makes it very usable. This is a car. You said you get a buzz just sitting in it. I think that's got to be listened to. Take take that car for a real test drive and give it a real consideration. And I will also say this, get your girlfriend in it mm. because it's a more interesting car to be in than I think she expects. So get her to, get her to drive it. I, I think it's a good option. I'm not going to land there as the only option, but I think you've said so much about how much you like it. And you're debating it, I think you've got to give it a very serious consideration. And it's right in the sweet spot of your budget. And if you yeah. wanted to go auto in that car, the six-speed auto in that car is, is decent. It's not a ZF. you know. It's not a DCT. It's none of these. But it's a pretty good auto. So if you wanted to go that way, you could. Of course, I'm going to say go manual. But all right. But that made me think of an alternative, though, okay. that I have to say here for you, Lloyd. All right. They're not common in the UK. I looked them up. I found them for your price point. They're not common in the UK, but it does everything you want to do. It does all of the GT86 stuff almost as well and yet is much classier. Look for an Infiniti G37 Coupe. Mm. 15,000 pounds gets you one without a question. I'm almost certain... I've looked it up, but I think it depends on the spec a little bit, but I'm almost certain fold down rear seat in that car, which means you're gonna have as much storage space as you do in the FRS. That's the reason the FRS has space or the GT86. You fold right, down that rear right. seat and you got gobs. That's why I carry skis in it. I mean it's absurd. So you have that fold down rear seat, so that solves that problem. You've got a lot more power than the uh GT86, and it's a lot classier inside. You can get a manual, you can get them auto. The auto's okay, the manual's nice. The engine is great. The infinities are not common. Good amount of power. It's not going to be as agile on a fast B road as the GT86. But everywhere else, it may actually be better. So I think that's yeah. a real option.
1: Yeah. And, you know, when you're really hammering on it on your favorite roads, you can extract a lot of fun out of that. Todd and I like that car. Of Absolutely. course, there's ones yes. that are dynamically better. The M135i, of course, definitely still is at the top of the list. But I do like your add a bit of a sophisticated touch on the mm-hmm, GT86, mm-hmm. or consider this, I'm yep. surprised they're that low. I, I really am. Yeah. I'm surprised those have dropped to the 15K mark. On the other hand, I I know, Lloyd, that you want something classy and luxurious. I, I'm kind of reading between the lines here in your email because you're going from an 06 Mazda up to something newer, mm-hmm, ideally, mm-hmm. and you want the amenities, and it's got to be a nicer car overall. And it seems yeah, like you are yeah, yeah. turned off by the cheap interiors. But, heck, Fiesta STs are $14,000 here in the States. No going, <laughs> ah, yeah. off the list so yeah. soon it
0: is. I know.
1: Would it, I know. Would the giggling overcome the, the cheap interior? Would your snorting and laughing and giggling with how much fun you're having overcome <laughs> the, okay, it's a little bit plasticky in here?
0: Yeah. I, Where does the fun factor just negate everything else? Yeah. I hear you. I hear you. Yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm just – I can't – Ford was off
0: the list so soon. I just – It <laughs> didn't even give us a chance to recommend just them. Yeah, give I me a chance. You. Okay.
1: Anyway, well, uh, yeah, that's uh, – I, I like your suggestions there. Um I'm still digging this. Well the
0: infinities the Infinity's a total wild card. I mean it it, is. in the UK yeah. market, they they haven't done well. It's probably why they haven't held on to their value. It's not really a, a a big time brand in the UK. It's actually done better here in the US, and they aren't a huge brand here either. So but I, I do think it does the GT86 stuff in a classier package with more power. That may solve the problem. I'm just wondering I, I big
1: luxury cars in the UK, the seven series, the S classes.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: Lloyd and the rest of you listening in the UK, why do those seem like they fall off a cliff in terms of value and not just the older ones like the Phaeton that Todd is <clears throat> filling my ear about, but the newer ones, the new...
0: Cheap Phaetons, man. Cheap Phaetons. Cheap Phaetons. telling you. That, that's actually... That, that's a shirt. It, it's actually like... It's a tiny little font. It's one of those fonts you have to lean really close to read the person's shirt. It just says on it, it's very simple, almost like a Helvetica, just a very simple font. It just says... Cheap Phaetons. That's a whole thing. Right in the dead center of of your sternum, that's the shirt.
1: It's like just, black,
0: white letters, done.
1: Well, yeah, I I think that's hilarious. I, <laughs> I think we need to make that, apparently, with as much enthusiasm yeah. as people have had for that. Uh, that <laughs> <laughs>
0: Anyway. Just title tiny little words the middle of your shirt, cheap Phaetons. Everybody's like, what the heck is that shirt about? And the rest of us will laugh. Yes. We'll sell about 10 of those. But the 10 of us that wear them will think just, it's a riot. Yeah, you're anyway, going to form yeah. a little
1: gang. And yeah,
0: anyway. Uh-huh. It's all bad.
1: Well, yeah. I'm just wondering if it's because of the wrong side drive. I mean, right-hand drive uh, cars <laughs> that they sorry. Well,
0: it makes them harder to unload anywhere but that island. Let's be honest. Yep. yeah. yeah you know i mean you're talking just about a, a captive market to some degree and and they you're not going to sell a right hand drive car as easily everywhere else
1: unless you ship it to japan the, you know the keys typing i can feel them already i know we're going to get some uh, <laughs> some pushback on that but that's okay tell me why i'm very curious in the meantime we'll move on <laughs> to ken in new york city he is in a suburb just outside of new york city and guess what he commutes to work in manhattan the way mm-hmm. he does it is he drives a 20 to 30-mile round trip to a subway station and then goes on from there. Yep. So for the East Coasters, the Northeastern, that is actually pretty common, to be honest. It's a very fairly common commute. But not mm-hmm. for uh, if you're kind of outside of there. Yeah, you'll take your car all the way to the end, all the way to the end of your commute. So or, and
0: I think I think there's the other part of the equation There's a lot of people assume when you think about well, I take the subway to work, you assume you take the subway down the block. You just you walked out of your house and you <laughs> right. went to the subway station no. and you went you went the subway. So so this is this is the classic suburban mix here, where you've got this commute and, and it gets worse, folks. It takes An hour and 15 minutes to two hours, depending on traffic, to do the driving portion of this trip. That does not include the public transit section. So we're talking about either – I don't how to look at it. For Ken, we've either got the best of or the worst of both worlds. He does both public transit and sit-in traffic. We're trying to find him the new traffic car is where this is really going. Because in spite of taking the subway, he still has bumper-to-bumper.
1: I think I've got the shot here, Ken. I think do you? I okay. do, because okay. there's All more right. to the story here, and that mm-hmm. is he currently has an O2 Nissan Pathfinder that's really getting up there, 170,000 miles that he, he inherited from his dad, and of course it's getting old. Things are starting to uh, nickel and dime him, and he does some of the maintenance maintenance himself. However, he parks the car on the street in Brooklyn, so he's going for something mm-hmm. used. Something that's not going to be too standout-ish, you know, if it gets accidentally scratched, bumped, okay, you know, bummer. But, you know, that is the reality of of, uh, your commute and living there. But the other Mm -hmm. thing that he does with this Pathfinder is driving on the beach on the sand in Long Island for surf fishing. And he takes the kids. So Mm -hmm. the SUV is great for the soft beach sand, but obviously he would really like to have the four-wheel drive or an all-wheel drive. And it's gonna get dirty. Kids, stuff, driving around on the beach, fishing, all that kind of stuff.
0: So in in fact, Paul, I don't know that you've ever experienced this, but I will Mm. say this as both the parent and dog owner. Okay. You as a person who keeps your cars wonderfully clean may not have experienced this, and I will just I'll save you the heartache.
1: Well, the Jeep's pretty salty right now, but yeah.
0: I oh yes, I know. But if you would like to trash a car, (laughs) <laughs> Nothing really accomplishes this task to the complete fundamental universal degree as taking children and a dog to a beach mm. Mm. and then taking said children and said dog back into the vehicle to leave the beach. <laughs> the amount of just carnage that results when you get your car home is staggering. Hmm. So this is definitely you. not a car that's going to be precious. Yeah. I,
1: I believe you. I really do. I think that's probably why honda started putting vacuum cleaners in their minivans but they should have put a shower in the back of the thing like on the outside just about it should be some sort of you know it does do double duty for the windshield you know the back window squirts yeah. and cleans it there off you, go. And you twist it around there you and go spray the kids off you know I don't
0: know. That's not bad. Somebody's trying to figure that out right I'm now. Riffing you turn here. your your rear your your rear window uh, <laughs> You know what I mean? The, sprayer the rear into rear sprayer. Yeah, you turn your rear your rear window sprayer into right. the family hose off shower hey. because let's be honest, we have a vacuum anyway. Now we need to just drain holes in the floor. We're building a whole new vehicle. This is the new version of the Homer. It's going to yeah. be awesome. Yeah, Honda, be I'm
1: giving you gold here. You're needing yeah. some features to differentiate yourself in the market. Come on.
0: I mean the pump we would be powered have... by the
1: engine, big yeah. water tank in there. Come on, that'd be great.
0: And it's it's the other it's the other option to go with your Honda dog, which we discussed discussed hey. weeks and weeks ago. So, That's you know, right. Honda dog's in there, yeah, to pick up all the stuff the kids are dropping. We we're, we're we're doing good work here, Paul. We're doing we're we're solving problems. Yeah, keep going. Yeah, we
1: really are. All right, so the beach scenario is an issue. Ken has uh, a wife who drives a 2015 Volvo V60. And she's mm-hmm. got a 90-mile round-trip commute, but they like oh. that car. And she likes mm-hmm. the car, so they're going to keep that. So this is really for Ken. So it's got to do the commute, but also beach, sand, kids, fishing, dog, mm-hmm. hose-off. Mm-hmm. Yep. yep. Yikes. And, uh, yeah. So, gosh, I, I I could really only think of one. Can you even consider okay. the zip car okay. thing here a rental for the occasional beach driving? That might be okay. I would check with the rental company, uh, or you could yeah. just plead ignorance and say, I don't know why there's a sandcastle built on top of the engine. i <laughs> uh, sorry.
0: Oh my gosh. I'm imagining the carnage of that return. <laughs> anyway, yeah. Uh-huh.
1: So, uh huh. So, yeah. Considering a Honda Pilot or the Kia Sorrento, keeping with the Honda theme here, because mm-hmm. he really doesn't want a minivan. Yeah. I get it. We get it. But I came up with the Acura MDX, Ken. Hmm. A second generation, 2012. He's limited me to 20K. (laughs) However, MDX, and there was something that stuck out here, and that was most of the ones you're looking at don't have a third row. Well, interestingly, the MDX is not that much larger in terms of exterior size, But it does Mm -hmm. have a third row. So if that is important to you, the MDX does have one. So the second generation 2012, I found one 39,000 miles for 20K, bang on the nose, all-wheel drive, of course. And I feel like even though it looks like a nice car, and this one obviously is, it's not going to stand out on the city street. It's not going to blend in. I I don't know. It's going to be just car. Mm -hmm. To most Mm -hmm. people, it's not going to be some flashy thing or a newer – you know, whatever it is. So I feel like it'll be still fairly invisible, but still good size for you, your family, plenty of space for sand, mulch, kids,
0: <laughs> San- beach yeah. toys. You know what? If you're going to go to the beach, just carry a bag of mulch in the back and just complete the circle of life. There, It's just, just you know, let's just get as much... Mess and man if you could figure out how to put half of a snowdrift in the back of the hatch hey. and the mulch, then go to the beach, we would just, just get all our bases covered. We just do it it'd be solved I mean yeah
1: here at Sundance, Acura sponsors the entire film festival in Park City and they yep. had they littered It was like the Acura monster went around mm-hmm. town littering the town with Acuras everywhere and I kept seeing mm-hmm. the MDXs and thinking huh, the exterior size really isn't outrageous. And they claim seven-seater, yeah. you know, pretty good interior space. The new ones are, of course, expensive and quite nice, but it's a luxury place. Mm-hmm. It's it's a respite. Todd and I found the Honda Pilot minivan or the Odyssey minivan that we had for a production vehicle. Just It was just sort of like a cave, you know, away from the traffic. Yeah. And it was nice for that reason. So I would think the MDX yeah. would kind of do the same thing. You're on your commute, just spending a lot of time in traffic listening to our podcast and enjoying yourself. <laughs> And, uh, yeah, yeah. it could be just a nice getaway place to relax and then still good for the family for uh, for all that stuff. So I'm going with MDX for that one.
0: Okay. I actually like that. You haven't recommended that in a while. And I—hey, I, I, those are great. Those are really cool. I mean, that puts us in a category with you could get probably a used Acadia for this. Which I had one of those. You mm-hmm. could be in this world. But, but I have to say for you, Ken, the thing that struck me here, because you brought up should you maybe keep the Pathfinder, that's the route I'm going. And I'm going to go a route I don't think I've ever really gone before on the podcast. And that is I just looked at this scenario and I said, okay, we've got very specific needs that are not enthusiast needs. I love that you have this Volvo that you all love that is the family road trip car. You take a road trip to Florida at least once a year. Your wife loves driving it. So you have the nice family vehicle. So great, that's solved. The Pathfinder seems like the right tool for its specific beach related job. hmm Yeah. If you're gonna do that, if that's a common thing, the car's paid off, you know it runs, you're just worried about cutting kind it of. every day.
1: Sounds okay. Like. Well,
0: yeah, but 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 it sounds like it kind of runs because it's getting used every day, and it's getting used for what it's not great at, which is let's go commuting. Mm-hmm. Okay, mm-hmm. so keep that, and then you, then you can be even less precious with us. Hey, kids, dog, let's go to the beach. Let's bang around in the Pathfinder. It almost becomes an event car, if you know what I mean. So keep the Pathfinder. I'm going to stay there. But now I'm looking at pure Hmm. commute cars for you. Hmm. You're talking about, yeah, you're in this car for an hour and 15 minutes, but it's 20 to 30 miles total, which is not a whole lot of distance. So I started thinking in pure commute cars. Now the one, because you're a Honda guy, the one that is the, or or you're, you're really intrigued by Honda, is the one that is the, one that should be at least looked at. I don't know if that's the right one, but it does fit a lot of boxes here. Look at a Honda Fit. You could get one you know, in one. whatever spec you want for yeah. that amount of money, and it's just it's got surprisingly good space. It's usable. It gets good gas mileage. It's not very big. If you park that in Brooklyn and somebody dings it, bummer, but it's a Honda Fit. You bought it as a commute car. Sure. But then I had to keep following that rabbit trail. If we're going to talk commute cars, I have to say there's two others you could consider. One... A Chevy Volt. You can get one of those used for your money all day long. That's true.
1: They are a good percentage
0: of your a good percentage of your commute is gonna be full electric. But then you're not gonna have any kind of wait a minute, am I gonna have enough range? None of that exists because if you need to fill it up, you just fill it up. The volt is cheap, it's a decent place to be, it has all the technology you'd ever want. So I think the Volt's got to take a serious consideration here. I think that is a definite consideration. But then I also have another one I think you can't ignore. You need to look at the Nissan Leaf. I I was in one of these last week. I know I know two people that own them, okay? Yeah. These are not amazing cars, but they are good at what they do. And what do they do well? They commute well. So, yeah. And, and, and we're talking about a commute. Look, if you told me you were driving – an hour to two hours and your commute round trip was 100 miles i'd be concerned your commute is 30 it's 30 they You're going are to be cheap well within the range of this car they mm. are cheap mm-hmm. they run so i think and i would also consider i actually feel like for full electric cars this is the better play don't buy it lease it Those cars are very cheap to lease. They are cheap enough to lease that you've essentially spent the equivalent of fifteen to twenty grand, but you're leasing it. The great thing about that is, no hassle. For if something random goes wrong, and in a couple years you've tried the technology, you can turn it back in and just be like, "Thanks, and I'm done." So the people that I know, both the people that I have them here in Salt Lake, one of which I just again I just wrote in it last week, they both lease their car. And one of them got that screaming like I don't know if they're still offering it, but like screaming two hundred dollar a month deal. That's crazy cheap And that was brand
1: new? Brand new car?
0: Yeah, it was it was a brand new lease, two hundred bucks a month. They were doing it about a year ago. I think now I think now it's like two fifty, three hundred, which still, if you do the math, is somewhere around buying a car that's fifteen to twenty grand. Sure, sure. Okay. So I, I think if you if you consider the leaf, if that's an option, lease it. But if we're going to talk about buying used stuff, I think the Volt's got to get looked at. I think the Honda Fit is worthwhile, and then I'm going to say it, and I may have to wash my mouth out with soap, but I'm going to say it anyway. Um, have you ever driven a Prius? Oh, uh, I, 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 I said it, and I heard. Go. I heard already. I heard already. I hate that I say it. Ugh. Here's the thing: the 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 purpose of the Prius is commuting. The purpose of the Prius is gas mileage. Yeah. Both. Both Paul and I despised the seats. This wasn't us making an issue. This wasn't us looking for something to have a problem with. We both found the seats painful. But I have heard from owners that there are a couple of different seats options, and some owners have had problems with their seats and some have not, so you're going to need to personally sit in it. And then if you go back a generation, I've actually heard other owners say that the generation we drove, which is fourth gen, that the generation prior, the seats were better. I I can't confirm that. I haven't had them side by side. I have to bring this car up because I feel like it's the elephant in the room in many ways. That it can't be ignored. We have never enjoyed it. But the kind of thing you're using it for, Ken, is exactly what it's good at. So if you're going to look at these others, I think you need to look at a Prius. And honestly, if somebody dings your Prius in Brooklyn, you're probably going to go, thank you. I mean, <laughs> what do you care? What do you care? Oh. You digged my Prius. I appreciate you noticing. Oh I mean, I, I think that's perfect. My so brain I, itches. I, I can't believe you recommended I know, I, a Prius. I know. I, I, I've just recommended things that, that you may disown me. I get it. I may never be on the podcast again, ugh. but I feel like it's the elephant in the room in this discussion and it must be mentioned.
1: It must be mentioned and promptly ignored. That's what should happen.
0: I Ugh. know I know but you this just, this is what it's good your at
1: your soul you get in the car you buy and you here's my soul and okay now I have the prius it uh, no. I hate
0: to say it I hate to say it but poor ken the commute he has, he practically has the Grim Reaper riding in the passenger seat already. His soul has been traded for the commute. I'm sorry, Ken. I hate to have said that. But this is, this is a Grim Reaper commute situation anyway. This is the opposite of fun driving. So we're going to go there. Let's go there and, well, and get a car that, that it excels at that. And that's what the Prius does.
1: But they don't have a Toyota dog or a Nissan dog. They have a Honda dog. It's got to be Honda products. I know.
0: Really? I know you want the Honda dog. Totally. It would be like the like the Toyota Wiener dog. What what's the Toyota dog look like? I'm there's not an Instagram sure. picture we have to figure out. Yeah. It's
1: it's ugly, that's what it is. You know, it, it would be ugly for sure. I can guarantee. It'd be the that. Prius
0: hamster. You let him out of the wheel underneath mm-hmm. the hood and you set him in the passenger seat. It's a Prius hamster. That's perfect. Or there does the go. dog
1: yeah. power the car? No, it's it's electric. Never mind. Yeah. yeah. All yeah. right. It's a hybrid. Anyway, yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow! So well, that just happened. Um, I'm
0: sorry that that just happened, but I, I feel I'm like it needed to be discussed, kinda. and we can cleanse cleanse our brains now by moving on to, to Facebook and Twitter and Instagram questions. Now I need like pull up
1: Lamborghini.com and look at <laughs> Lamborghinis.
0: <laughs> Paul is now in search of car porn to cleanse his palate from what just happened with the Prius being mentioned and actually uh, recommending that car here on the podcast. I'm that sorry that it happened.
1: Lamborghini. Official we website. We can move on.
0: We can move on. So I want um, <laughs> to move on to a Facebook question from uh, Ted that wrote in, and he asked me a question about the tuning on the FRS. And I actually was struck by this question because it reminded me of something that actually happened in this process. He said, I've got the tune, the header, and the exhaust, which you're right. Uh, and has, have there been any downsides is his question. And has it made the car less drivable? Because he's read that some people feel like with those mods, a car has become harder to launch which I think is an interesting Hmm. observation. So Hmm. let me walk you through my actual kind of experience owning that car, Not forget that I'm an enthusiast driver for a second, just owning it and commuting in it in the process of these tuning stages. Let me talk about it in those terms. When I put the header on, header and exhaust on, as you know from watching the piece, there was a definite improvement in um, in that huge dip in the torque. It was definitely improved. But in the process of that, there used to be A massive spike in the torque from essentially where it's turning over at idle up to about 2,500, that was one of the biggest spikes in the torque. And then it troughed after that. But that initial spike actually helped you in drivability at launch. And I didn't think about this until my wife started driving the car. No kidding. (laughs) I I didn't even think about it. Huh. Because I, I just found the car, because the car was better in the torque dip, I just liked it better. Yeah. But you and I drive all kinds of cars with all kinds of clutches and transmissions and catch points and personalities of the engine, and I just adapted to it very quickly. Mm -hmm. After driving it a few times with just the header on it, my wife started to try to avoid the car because she found (laughs) it significantly harder to drive.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: So even though, it, even though once she got rolling, it was fine. And she actually drives manual really well. Even though once she got rolling, it was fine. It was that initial launch she found much more difficult with the change in the header because that initial spike that was helping her out was gone. So she was not pleased. What's interesting is once I added the tune, the way that just smoothed out the power delivery in general, mm-hmm. she's in love with the car again. She really thoroughly enjoys driving it. Now, I like it more as well, but it's interesting to see her perspective because she doesn't drive as many things. She doesn't adapt as fast as we do. And she was like, I don't know if I'm going to like this. And I said, just do me a favor. It, it drives a lot smoother, and I think it's easier and more powerful than it was with just the header. She drove it a couple of times and said, you know what? I really love your car again. So I hope that answers the question a bit, Ted. I feel like the whole process, now that I've done all of the above, the car is very drivable and really easy to use. But the header only step improved mid range, but at a little bit of a sacrifice of launch. So that was an interesting discovery. Hmm,
1: interesting. I uh, yeah, that's uh, that's pretty fascinating. I don't drive your car obviously on a daily basis, but uh, I did notice it as well. I like it better, but I'm just surprised at her reaction. It's kind of funny. Mm-hmm.
0: I I was I was as well. I mean, I didn't realize it at first. It one of those things that you know you're you're just kind of moving through life and you don't realize. But all of a sudden I was, I was realizing. Hang on you seem to kind of make sure you don't have to drive my car much anymore. What's happened? She's like, I just don't find it as easy to drive. Oh.
1: hmm.
0: And that was not long before we got the tune done, which was interesting. So I'm glad the tune has solved it now for sure. Right,
1: right. Well, I'm going to break one of our rules for a specific reason here, and that is ding.michael, so I think it's Michael Ding, writing from Beijing, China. Now, usually Mm -hmm. we ask that car debates be directed to... Everyday TV at gmail.com or the website yes. there. However, I am thrilled that you wrote in from China. I am really curious as to how many more people are listening. Michael, do you know anybody else that is listening in China? I, <laughs> I'm thrilled to hear this. We've, we have cracked into yeah, the China market fair. there. I'm thrilled. He, uh, he says he's writing from Beijing. They have 23 million people and 5 million vehicles. So, yeah, guess that car market is growing there. And super quick, he's asking, and so I'll just touch on it briefly. I'm more excited that you're in Beijing, Michael. He's driving an Audi Q5 with 45,000 miles, family of three. He wants to trade for a new SUV in the same class. Yes, Macan, but I would go Mercedes right now. I'm not in love with the BMW Hmm. SUVs. Todd will rant for days about them. He loves the cars, not so much the SUVs. I'm kind of with him. (laughs) And uh, yeah, the new Mercedes SUVs. I'm actually kind of sniffing around them as well, but I would kind of go in that direction uh, if you're interested. Which one, like the
0: GLC? Yeah, yeah. The, Something GLC? Like the GLC. Is that where yep. you're thinking? Okay, because yeah. that's that's. I mean, that's actually kind of a step up in size, isn't it? A little bit from the Q5. GLC. Uh, I, I feel like the GLC is right between like Q5 there. and Q7 in size. I feel like it's like an almost hitting between the two. Yeah, there's the but GLE. I think it's a good option.
1: I've got to memorize Mercedes yeah. nomenclature now, just like Infinity changed to Q everything. Well,
0: the, yeah. Well, the GLs the GLs are the SUV on the sedan chassis of the of the third letter. So the GLC is the SUV yes, of the yes. C class. So, yeah, that I think it's a, maybe a little bit bigger than the Q5, but but not a lot bigger. And then of course the GLA is uh, is probably a little smaller than your Q5. But I think the GLC is an interesting option. I do like that, and it's actually. The lower versions of that are more affordable than you think. That's mm-hmm. one of the things that surprised me about yeah. that car.
1: I'm also all about the interiors in Mercedes lately. Just knocking mm-hmm. it out of yeah. the park. Yeah. I'm really, really liking the materials, the breakup, the you know, of course, the build quality, all that stuff. I think it could be interesting, Michael. And yeah, thanks again for writing us because uh, I'm just I'm super happy. This is great. I'm I'm really <laughs> really excited. Write us back. Let us okay. know what you get. Yeah. Send That's us cool. pictures, Michael. Yeah. Send us pictures. Anyway, thank you.
0: Lots of great questions tonight. Uh, actually, lots of really good ones on Instagram. Thank you. We haven't had a whole lot of Instagram before. Got a ton of them off of Instagram tonight. Uh, Steve Brimmer wrote in the only question right behind the fact that I re- recommended a Prius. And since they already recommended a Prius, I thought I'd go down this rabbit trail as well. He said, <laughs> what would we consider the best driving minivan? And 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 Steve, I'm sorry, but... Best driving and minivan don't really compute. Mm, this no. isn't why these cars are no. built. They're just that's not why they exist. You know, actually, here's here's my, my actual answer. Best driving minivan in the world, the Tesla Model X. Yeah. Now now I've now I've offended everybody that likes Teslas. But anyway, well. <laughs> um, yeah. So, but but no, honestly, the, this is not this is not the reason you get a minivan. So if you're shopping for a minivan, you want all the things it does. And I'm going to say to you because we are genuine fans of it in the minivan world. The Honda Odyssey. If you're going to buy a minivan, that's the top of our list. Yep. We've driven it. We've driven yep. it a lot. It It is it is great at doing everything a minivan has to do. And these aren't – look at the shape of them. You're driving a shipping container with sliding doors. That's not going to be dynamically fun. It's not. It's the new just, Odyssey is, is the,
1: looks pretty decent for a minivan. It I, does. I it does. I have to admit. Just it's not bad. The
0: scale of it the The drivetrain of it, it's front wheel drive. It's a front wheel drive shipping container. I mean, this is approximately the dynamics what we're dealing with. It's difficult to make that a fun to drive vehicle. So it's not what it does well. But the Odyssey is fantastic in that category. So I think I think that's the one to look at.
1: Or you could save your money for an Alfa Romeo Stelvio when that comes out. Speaking of Alfa Romeo, nice segue. (laughs) Do you like that? So many Except of you have Stelvio, asked.
0: Stelvio doesn't have slidey doors. If it had slidey doors, then we'd really be on to something. But no, yeah, it going. doesn't.
1: It, it probably has slidey uh, uh, tendencies, characteristics, but mm-hmm.
0: yeah. Different issue. Different. It it, not as helpful with kids. I mean, the kids will Maybe, laugh, though. but you're going to have Maybe. trouble getting them in the car seat prior. Then the kids will laugh about it. Kids will stop
1: actually. crying. I'll do the thing again. I'll slide <laughs> sideways.
0: Slide, daddy, slide. Yeah, I get it. Okay, keep going.
1: Well, so so many people have asked about Alfa Romeo, especially from the Super Bowl, which recently happened here. And uh, yeah, a lot of different variations on the question about what do we think of the Alphas? Are we getting in the base Alfa Romeo, Julia? A lot of questions around Alpha. And I do Mm -hmm. think the Alfa Romeo commercials were the best over the Super Bowl. I really love them. They showed three of them. And they were just money shots, close up, voluptuous. That car is really Mm -hmm. at the top of Todd and I's list to go drive. And to answer your question, Jay Strong, off of Instagram, we have inquired about the base car. It's not quite in dealerships yet. And so press cars are very much related to what is available in a dealership. So they're not quite available yet. But we do. uh, I'm, I'm chasing FCA right now to get in the Quadrifoglio. And we'll put that with a comparison. And uh, chasing that right now, so TBD on that, mm-hmm. but uh, yeah, we've got to get in this car. Every time I see it, I go, oh yeah, I need to call FCA and say, hey, we Absolutely. need to get in that car. So that is yeah. going to be happening shortly, but uh, yeah, not not quite yet, and not on the base car. I think Todd and I should shoot both of those cars as, uh, you know, okay, the quadrifolio, yeah, but it's $72,000. $72, I mean, mm-hmm. that's at the mm-hmm. very top end for a lot of people, if not way out of reach, so What's the base car like? You know, to your point, yeah, we keep talking about that a lot. So I'm I'm really curious. I I love the brand. I'm curious about it. I'm curious about the Stelvio. I'm mm-hmm. yeah. I I'm,
0: I'm hoping for reliability about,
1: though. I'm really. I hoping agree. For
0: we're that. talking, but that's going to be something we won't know for a year or two. But we're yeah. talking about that uh, with the Julia. We're talking about attacking it and looking at it the same way we would look at the benchmark for the segment, which is the three series. You know, what's a, what's a three, base 3 Series like? And what's the M3 like? I mean, we're talking about it in those terms. So it'll be interesting to drive both categories of it and really have a conversation about it. I'm, I'm quite intrigued by that car. I'm right there with you. I'm right there with you.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: All right, what else? We've got
1: so many. Uh, We've
0: got a ton. Uh, C. Conway on Instagram. This one I read and I all of a sudden thought of an answer. Like instantly. I was like, wait a minute. Here's one I like.
1: I've got this one on my list too to answer.
0: C. Conway wrote and he said, what dead car company would you most like to see revised? You had it on your list too, so what's yours?
1: DeLorean. Can you imagine voluptuous shaped, Hmm. rendered in stainless these days? Polished stainless or satin stainless, hairline stainless look. That could be Hmm. really interesting. Of course, DeLorean could go in the direction of hybrid technology or electric only technology and really play up the Mm. fact from the movies and come out with a competitive technology that is real sports cars, electric, fun to drive, different, Mm. aspirational, and stainless. Yes. Huh. Okay. All right. Didn't expect
0: that. Didn't expect that. I like it though. I like it. Okay, you you know, it reminds me of that when that we went to to the Monterey Car Week, Pebble Beach one year, and we saw essentially it was a rebodied Ferrari five nine nine that yeah. they turned into a titanium skin car.
1: I told you I went to design school with the guy who did that, Samuel Schupar. Mm-hmm. He he mm-hmm. rendered that out of titanium panels, a rebodied Ferrari in titanium. Yeah, and
0: it was one of those things where. I was so torn looking at it. I didn't personally like the design, but what do I know? The thing about it that was baffling to me, though, is there was all this discussion about how next to impossible it is to actually shape titanium panels. Yeah. So I'm looking at it and seeing all of these complex curves and complex surface changes and thinking, I'm incredibly impressed that you've pulled that off. But the texture of it is not a nice car texture. Yeah,
1: there was and no so I was finishing. Just, it was almost like the raw I'm manufacturing.
0: You know? Exactly. So I'm impressed you pulled it off, but I'm looking at the panels going, and it doesn't look very nice. So that's – I'm impressed and yet, yuck. I, I don't know how to land. I But yeah. So anyway, the DeLorean thing I like. The one I thought of, dead car company I'd most like to see revised, TVR. Oh, good. I like that too. They're just – they, they're, what is their, they're almost the car company for me. They may out Lotus Lotus in my <laughs> mind. And I've never driven a TVR, but I just, I look at the kind of things they, they, think about the kind of stuff I like, ladies and gentlemen. Let's be honest. I like cars for children. These are cars that have big <laughs> engines, ridiculous exhaust notes. They handle well. They have almost too much power. They have weird design in the interior. They have random streaks in the hood.
1: Yeah, I, I'm TBR really not is having a problem you. with this
0: entire description. Yes, it's entirely for me. I've never driven one, and I still think it's for me. But the thing I like about it is just it's a car company that just embraces the nuts. Everything they did was just kind of, we could do a little crazier than everybody else. It just They didn't seem to have any kind of accountant checks and balances, which, let's be honest, is the reason they no longer exist. But that's what I thought of. I thought, TVR. I would like to see some TVR madness worldwide, but I don't know that that's ever going to happen. Did you ever like Spiker?
1: Like, I mean, speaking of handcrafted, quilted leather, powered by Audi yeah, and kind of weird shapes. Did you ever get into that yeah, or no?
0: But see, but Spiker Spiker felt, I, I hate to say this, Spiker always felt to me like the guy that bought the smoking jacket. Not <laughs> A guy that bought a sports car, a guy that bought something to look cool because they look cool. Yeah,
1: but I never thought I
0: never saw saw a spiker and thought I want to go drive that hard. I saw a spiker and thought I want to cruise somewhere. Hmm. Whereas a TVR just feels like I'm not fancy, but I am nuts. Come drive this car,
1: spiker. Come buy your
0: smoking jacket. Really, honestly, it just feels. It feels like the perfect car to cruise Sunset Strip it feels like the perfect car to be seen in in Monterey. It, it feels like an event car in that regard but it doesn't feel like a go drive me hard whereas i feel like that's the whole whole purpose of a tvr
1: i was kind of hoping spiker would go forward and get past their that generation that they show they were you know they were leaning heavily on some very specific styling cues and i mm-hmm, had hoped mm-hmm. they would mature and evolve a little bit but i liked the concept i liked that they were powered by audi I liked the interior. I I just thought incredibly oh, cool looking. Can we yeah. push it a little bit? I did see one up close, and I was not too impressed with the build quality. However, I thought, well, maybe second generation, keep pushing it, but they died too. So, yeah. I
0: got in their original sports car in a couple different variations: hardtop, top, and uh, speedster. I got in there one year at the auto show. They had a SUV concept, which of course you know put to shame all of the Range Rover price tags at the time that we, they were going to charge an exorbitant amount for, which is probably actually less than the Bentley Bentega now that I think about it. But at the time, it was like, who's going to charge this for an SUV? Mm-hmm. So I mean, they they had, a, they had a niche. They had a style that was very cool. It just feels like a style car more than a drive-hard car to me. Mm-hmm. Well,
1: Jason Meyer specifically asked after last podcast that I break down the new spy shots of the Porsche 911 992 that we've been seeing around. <laughs> and I wanted to get that before anything else here. Uh, so he asks from a designer's perspective, what do I think of it? I've looked at these spy shots pretty closely and it's – I can't see everything quite yet. But if you look at the 718 Cayman and Boxster, you can see some crisp lines forming, especially along the nose there. And I think based on what I'm seeing, I think that Porsche is taking the meat out of, out of the body side and out of some of the fenders. The shape is still there, but I think they're pulling it back because we've seen the current 911 to grow pretty large and Mm. kind of far away from its original concept. It's a big car, Mm -hmm. as
0: you've said. It is a big car. It's a
1: half an inch longer than a Dodge Viper. Yep, yep. Which still blows my mind. I still can't believe that you know that. But I'm looking at the car, and I think all the surfaces – the voluptuousness has been pulled way back they're taking the clay and they're pull, they're they're scraping hmm. clay they're scraping meat off of this car so the the shape is still there and they're really working hard on these surfaces flattening them out in some places if you look at that nose it's a it looks flatter hmm. to my eye and funny it enough, is you're right. You know, you could say, well, they all look the same. This car actually looked a lot different to my eye just from the surface. The the amount of bulk mm-hmm. in the body sides and the amount of flesh, the meat in that, in that body side and the fenders and the hood, and they're pulling out some crisp lines out of there that were never there before. The front nose Fair. just used to roll over the front. There's a very distinctive line there just like that 718, and I think they're mm. realizing that we've got a really – you know, let, let's pull it back here. We've gone a little bit bloaty, a little bit for the brand. Even though I love my Cayman, I think it's – I really love it. It's still very beautiful. But the new 718, you can tell they're they're trimming some fat. They're going to the gym a little bit. It's
0: tightened. Yeah, I see that. Tightening I see that.
1: surfaces. They're stretching things a little bit. So that's what I'm seeing initially. I'm curious as to how they finish it off, what the details will be, hmm. how the lines, you know, start and end, and how they resolve themselves. Those are going to be the main things, but I do see a big difference in the body side of that car and the the rear fenders, especially of the I think it was the turbo or the turbo look
0: the the mm-hmm. width
1: is still there, but the meat is gone. You know what I mean they, interesting it's like. Here's, Getting down to bones here. It's not a bad here's, thing. Here's
0: what fascinates me every single time we get in a conversation like this is I can look at these photos, and I would have come away with, yeah, okay, they revised the nine eleven. But yet everything you're talking about, when I look at the photos, it's like you're my personal style guide. I'm looking at the photos going, <laughs> I see how you got there. Oh, I see that now. I just it, – it, it walks me through the process. I just – this is something that you do that I just don't have a skill set for. And, you, yeah, we've, we've got to get you talking about this more – because everything you're talking about, I can see with your guidance. Hmm. Uh, I, hmm. I, it's almost like you can you you can provide to me the language to go. That is what I'm seeing. So I think that's really cool. I'm glad he asked that question because that's educated me on that styling concept. That's cool. quite fascinating. Yeah, I hope that helps. Um, and
1: again, it's it's less about the shape because 911. Yeah, but it's more about what do we do with the surfaces, and that's what everybody's going to do from here on out. I feel like.
0: Yeah. I actually wanted to do a, a shout-out real quick to Oli P- Peterson, who wrote to us from Anchorage today. I don't know if you saw this on our email today. I oh, wanted I to did. mention Because you mentioned yes. the 718, and I have to just – this is a, a random side note, and then I'll come back to questions. But he clearly drives a transporter for sports cars in Anchorage, Alaska. <laughs> so in case you're not following along, it's winter right now. So if it's winter in Utah, Anchorage has got some serious winter happening, and uh, – He mentioned something on tires I'd never thought about. Just this week, he has delivered two M2s and a 718 Cayman. Mm, This week, he's delivered them. Yeah. But they all have summer rubber on them. (laughs) And it's so cold. He sent us photos. It's so cold, he can't get the summer rubber to have enough traction to drive up the ramp of his transporter on its own power.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Pretty fascinating.
0: <laughs> I mean, I mean that just talk right about there. educating what we're talking about and, and just giving you an idea. I mean, that's that's to a degree that I didn't even think about. I hadn't even thought about the summer tire problem to that effect. But he's sitting here, he's sitting his photos and going, guys, I can't get summer tires up my transport right now. Gosh, shocking. Just shocking. So thanks for sending that in because that was was a perspective I had never thought about. And you've shared it in photos. That's really actually very cool.
1: Yeah, Um, I'm glad he sent that. That was really fascinating. And I've done a lot of uh, fishing up there only uh, on the Kenai River. So uh, Alaska definitely has a a very special place in my heart. So, yeah, thanks for sending it.
0: I know it does. Uh, And and connecting that to uh, the cayenne in the snow, uh, Nolian Klein wrote to us on Instagram and asked for a cayenne update. My wife and I's cayenne. Uh, and asked about it in the snow. Yes, it's currently running Blizzaks. We love them on that car. They've been great on that car. I've had actually more trouble with summer tires than winter tires on that car. We have Blizzaks. They're fantastic. That is just our snow workhorse. It it mm-hmm. it's one of those yep. cars in the snow with Blizzaks that the weather's irrelevant. That's how it's doing in the snow. You <laughs> you've asked. That's the answer. It's doing wonderfully. In fact, the one morning that I tried. I I improperly backed my FRS down our unplowed driveway. There is a right way and a wrong way to do it. Ask me how I know. The one morning I improperly backed the FRS down the drive and promptly got it stuck, I just backed the Cayenne, essentially one car length, out of my garage. I hooked up a climbing rope between the tow hook on the front of the FRS and the tow hook on the back of the Cayenne, put my wife in the FRS and said, here we go, and just promptly towed the FRS (laughs) out of the problem and back into the garage. So, yeah, the Cayenne is the perfect winter vehicle. The FRS survives and survives well. The Cayenne just kind of goes, bring it.
1: Yeah, yeah, and speaking of winter and tires, Charlie wrote us a quick note here on Facebook that was a fact check about Nokian tires, and I had mistakenly called them Norwegian, but he is correct. They are a Finnish company, but mm-hmm. I will push back here, Charlie. Correct me if I'm wrong, listeners, but I think there's five countries that make up Scandinavia, and Finland is indeed a Scandinavian country along with Iceland. I, I think that's right, but again, please correct me if I'm wrong. And uh, I will tell my joke once again about Peter, uh, a friend of mine in L.A., who uh, you've met, Peter. He specializes in carpentry. That is really fine work, fine detail work. It's really nice interior work on houses. Mm -hmm. And he grew up in Stockholm, so he is truly a Swedish-Finnish carpenter
0: he is a swedish finnish carpenter. I've met him and that is a that is a joke that actually works out. I I think it's it's considered a nordic country but not a scandinavian country. I think Scandinavia is technically three countries. Is it but it's uh, okay. it's all, right. it's I'm all wrong again. Uh, yeah, it's it it's okay. It's all right. It's uh Sweden, Norway, Denmark are technically Scandinavia, but then Iceland and Finland get roped in for nordic countries. And it often is okay, interchangeable, and off. so it gets in demand. Seriously, you're, okay. you're, not, you're not off in the weeds. You're not off into something that nobody's ever said before. It's just I'm pretty sure that's the breakdown, but I'm also certain that someone will correct us. Uh, I had another one that uh, Jabe Stance wrote in from, uh, from Instagram and asked this question, which I'm, I'm going to be careful here and probably still get myself in trouble. His question <laughs> is, how do you become a better driver without spending thousands on driving schools? Great question. Great question. Um, I want cars? to answer this. Oh, wait. No. <laughs> no don't I wasn't going to go that. that. I wasn't going <laughs> to. Hey, something on Turo. And... No, no, no. <laughs> don't do that either. Um, no. I'm going to try to answer this in varying degrees of difficulty and cost. But I think the, the great thing about a driving school is twofold. The instruction that happens and the, in many ways, lack of consequence that exists. Because you're going to go to a driving school, and you're going to get out of there. You're going to drive a car that is already on a track, and there's runoff and no other traffic. And so there's some safety margin there, which is great. So we got to try to get you into events that can do that without that cost. And look, if you can do a driving school at all, I highly advise it. But autocross is a huge one here because Mm -hmm. you're on a parking lot. If it goes wrong, you go spinning through the cones, and you go, oops, and you're embarrassed, and you go back to the end of the line. Okay, Ideally, in the autocross scenario, and this is the big thing I'm going to say to you, put someone in your car other than you and ask them to drive it hard, someone that knows what they're doing. That will teach you immensely yeah, because you'll agreed. see capabilities of your car that you don't, don't know that it has, and you can see them do it. Then I will say the other thing. This is where I'm going to get myself in trouble. Driving as a practice makes perfect thing. The more you drive, the better you are. One of the things I don't like about living in Utah and snowing all these roads in is for multiple months out of the year, I just don't get to drive much. I don't get to fun drive much. Yeah, real drive, not video game driving. Yeah, exactly. It's kind of a muscle that gets a bit dusty, if you will. Mm -hmm. So if you have anywhere that is a really good mountain road, canyon road you can drive, I recommend you drive it often. I don't recommend you try to break a land speed record on that road, but I recommend you (laughs) drive it often. And I would also say if you learn that road really well and you know somebody near you, again, I'm walking a fine line here that I may get myself in trouble. But if you know somebody near you that you know is a fantastic driver, they had race experience or they're a great driver or whatever, and they live near enough to this great road that you can both go, get in a car with them. Hmm. And don't ask them to make a land speed record, but get them to talk you through what they're doing.
1: It's a great, great idea. Yeah, I like that.
0: Especially if you know the road. If you already kind of know the road, get them to talk you through where they're positioning the car, where they're turning in, why, what they're looking at, where are their eyes, when are they braking. Get them to go seven-tenths. This isn't about them trying to scare you or break a record. It's about them talking you through the tactics. All of these things will help you. then if you can take that tactic at six or seven-tenths and copy it, you'll get better. Mm. This is my cheap way to do it. Greed. Agreed.
1: I like it. I like it. Well, as we're wrapping up here, one question stuck out from Kerry Turner on Facebook, who's very sharp-eyed and very much paying attention. <laughs> wow. I, I'm I'm pretty impressed here. He's asking me about the BAC, specifically the Mono, and they are working on a new configurator with Autodesk, and am I involved with that? Kerry, yes, I was early on, about a year and a half ago. And Mm -hmm. had the pleasure of having dinner with Neil and Ian Briggs and what an incredible pair of guys. I mean, these are brothers who have started Mm -hmm. BAC, so that is Briggs Automotive Company. And these guys are designer and engineer and amazing to talk to. So fascinating and super great guys. Yes, Autodesk is working on that configurator. It continues, and that is with Autodesk VRED behind the scenes there. And, uh, yeah, I was involved initially early on, but uh, but not as much anymore lately now that it's kind of up and running. But uh, mm. I'm impressed. You're really paying attention. Well done. Shout out.
0: <laughs> definitely, definitely. Well, thank you guys, as always, for listening and for rating. There's been a lot of new ratings recently on the podcast. Thank you. That helps uh, the podcast grow. helps other people find us. Some of you that have rated have even written in and told us you found the podcast because it was in the top 10. So that just proves that these ratings that's and huge. sharings, that's helping yeah. the podcast grow. We keep getting some really nice commentary from you guys about what we do here. We appreciate it. We're working toward more guests. We're actually working on some new behind-the-scenes technology to better facilitate guests. So uh, you may have heard our Matt Farah podcast from last week. That one had some technical issues that are just related to we aren't necessarily a podcast set up easily for guests. So we're solving that. We'll have more guests going forward. And uh, we just thank you guys for listening and for sharing and for even watching what we do. Uh, We know some of you also are finding the videos now because you found the podcast first. That's kind of mind-warping for Paul and I. That's new (laughs) because we've been doing the video for so long. But thank you for that and for sharing your stories and your experience with what we do. We really appreciate it.
1: Fantastic, guys. And as Todd said, thanks as always. Looking forward to talking to you next time. Thank you, guys. Cheers. Cheers.